roughly 1,987 years ago on Sunday, a man named Jesus from a town called Nazareth entered the city of Jerusalem with a crowd crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. John 12, 13. Now today we remember the occasion as Palm Sunday. We are about to enter Holy Week, the holiest week for Christians. Holy Week begins on Palm Sunday. A week from Sunday, we'll celebrate the resurrection of the living Lord. A week from today, I'll take a break from covering the spread of the virus, and I'll focus on Good Friday and Easter. I make a habit of not writing about politics in Holy Week. There are bigger things, more important things. This is a week that should draw our attention. Even atheist scholars acknowledge the events Christians call Good Friday and Easter amount to one of the, if not the, most important events in human history. Again, that's important to repeat. Even atheist scholars are willing to recognize that the man Jesus, who died in Jerusalem around 1,987 years ago this coming week, he existed. That death is real. They may reject the resurrection, but they not only acknowledge the death and the existence of Jesus, but they recognize that the events of this week changed the course of human history globally. This week is going to be different from prior Holy Weeks. This week, most of us will not go into churches but onto the internet to worship online. We'll not take communion together but apart, if at all. The world is upended. In our living memories, we have no experience of anything like this, but the world has. In Jerusalem, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is closed. The church is believed to be built around both the tomb in which Jesus' body was laid after the crucifixion and Golgotha from which he was crucified. The church has not closed its doors indefinitely since 1349 when the Black Plague struck Jerusalem. 671 years later with the new plague, history repeats itself. The world may seem undone right now, upended, disconcerting, worrying, but consider this one point. We don't actually know precisely the year in which Jesus of Nazareth entered Jerusalem. The historic record notes that he did and that he was crucified. Christians believe he rose again from the dead, but there's something more that gets lost in the message. Jesus could not have entered Jerusalem a week before or a week after or a year before or five years after the date in which he actually did enter Jerusalem as king. His entry and its timing was part of a master plan put in place before time itself began. In the same way, this virus could not spread without God allowing it, and it could not spread when it did except as part of a master plan we don't understand, we cannot see, but we know exists. All of this happens before a throne on which sits the creator of all things, who sees all things and knows all things. The unbeliever will see this all as a random act. A butterfly flapped its wings halfway around the world, and it caused a storm above your house. The Christian knows God created the butterfly and placed it there halfway around the world that it might flap its wings. The unbeliever will see that as me saying we're all just puppets. There are, however, no strings attached to me or to you. But there is an all-knowing, fully sovereign God who has a plan for all of us and sets us to it and blesses us and gives us our own volition to see our life forward while putting us on a path we may not see and may not understand. The unfolding of the world is a surprise to all of us, but it's not a surprise to him how it unfolds. All things are part of a plan that glorifies him and reveals his majesty to us. As R.C. Sproul said, 
If there is one single molecule in the universe running around loose, totally free of God's sovereignty, then we have no guarantee that a single promise of God's will will ever be fulfilled. Every one of us has free volition, but every one of us also has a purpose. God himself chose each of us in some way to be part of his plan. In the book of Amos, God declares that, I have set among you a pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young man with the sword, young men with the sword. I carried away your horses, and I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils, yet you did not return to me. Amos 4.10 Your theology needs to account for a God that would allow these things to happen, a God that would send pestilence. This is the same God who, through his providence, sent the second person of the Trinity to his death in Jerusalem this week, 1,987 years ago. Some will look at all of this and say this makes God malevolent. But those who live by faith must trust that, as J.C. Ryle wrote, there is no such thing as chance, luck, or accident in the Christian journey through this world. All is arranged and appointed by God, and all things are working together for the believer's good. God is on his throne right now. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for human history. We may not know what role this pandemic plays in that plan. We may not know what role we play in the plan. But we can be assured all of this is going to glorify him and will work for the good of those called according to his purposes. He sits on his throne, still sovereignly in control of all things. Say, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Y'all, God's got this. He's got you too. I'm Eric Erickson. Have a wonderful weekend.